Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're finally here. The top teams in college basketball have been determined and the Final Four is set. Looking to wager on these games or the national championship? Head over to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get you started. That is B-L-E-A-V, guys. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. Bet online, guys, where the game starts. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Tuesday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty Year 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I am joined as always by producers G. Hay Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Tuesday? As my one of my favorite former housewives always says, I'm hunky-dory. <laughs> if anybody can guess who that is, I'd be very impressed. So I'm not even going to blow that. Blow don't them. know who it is. Who yeah. is it? Oh, it's the Hilton. <laughs> it's uh, Paris Hilton's mom. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, yeah. Were, we were not going to get that. <laughs> no, you were not. No, I wasn't going to say it either. So, but, you know, I'm hunky dory. So, yeah, yeah well, that's how I'm feeling right now. What about you? I'm I am not hunky dory. The Bulls <laughs> just lost to the Knicks last night. So it looks like it is officially time. If it wasn't already, it's time to pack it up and get ready for what is going to be a miserable offseason. So can't wait. I, I feel like he's coming over to uh, Armand's coming over to my dark side of reality and yeah, not your side of, well, of positivity. It is, it is uh, the the life of a, a Chicago sports fan, as, as we're finding out. Uh, but there is some good news, and we will get to that right now as we get to today's headlines. Brought to you by Circus Sports. First headline after missing 43 straight games with a torn ulnar collateral ligament ligament in his right elbow. Paul George, guys, has been upgraded to questionable for tonight's game against the Utah Jazz. He will reportedly have his family at the game. How does this change how you view the Clippers' chances? It changes everything. I mean, Paul George was the reason that the Clippers w- survived without Kawhi. You know, when Kawhi goes down a year ago, when that series is 2-2 going to Utah, you're f- thinking that the series is over. I mean, Kawhi, who was having a historic post season to to that point their season is over and it was a very Clippers thing to happen in the second round I I covered so many of these Clippers teams where they get to the second round and they lose Chris Paul or they lose Blake Griffin or they lose someone and Paul George took that team on his back and really showed what he could be and he really showed uh, you know the the type of number one he could be this season and so now if you get Paul George back if you get Norman Powell back, and the one thing I've said about Kawhi is Kawhi is going to go from not playing this season to all of a sudden you're going to get the starting lineup and he's going to be playing. I mean, that's the way Kawhi rolls, and the Clippers allow that to happen. The news about Paul George came out of nowhere. I mean, it was Monday night when we found out, or Monday afternoon or something like that, and we found out Paul George went from effectively being done for the season to now he's going to play tonight against the Utah Jazz, and I think the um, the 
you know, preview that he's going to play. Not only is his family there, I mean, the Clippers social media is going crazy. They're posting Paul George clips and highlights, and he's he's playing tonight, folks. Hey, Buckets, I, I, I think well, at the very least, guys, this makes them a team that would not shock me if we get that classic. And I say classic because I covered a couple of their matchups. Clippers, Memphis Grizzlies, perhaps, would not be shocked to see the Clippers not only get into the playoffs, but advance. I agree, except the fact is that they would play, like you said, Phoenix or Memphis if yeah. they get to round one. And by the way... Personally, Memphis is might be the second best team in the NBA. Like, yeah. they are that good. It's just unfortunate because I think I would pick the Clippers, even without Kawhi Leonard, against anybody else in the maybe in the entire NBA, just not against those two teams. Yeah. I do think that they could beat Memphis. Phoenix, I just don't see it yeah. unless Kawhi comes back. I was just going to say, so you think that they could beat Memphis with just Paul George, but you would ha- you think I that would, it would have to be the full full squad? To beat Phoenix. I think that they could beat Memphis. I would still pick Memphis, but I think it would be like a seven-game series. I think it would be a classic, just like Arash said. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking like seven, like we're going to have that amazing, wonderful seven-game yeah. series, yeah. Um, and it's going, to, it's going to come down to the wire for them, but at the end of the day, I think, unfortunately, Clippers aren't going to make it past that. Um, right pa- past that that, that round. Yeah, but you know the what? Round. The amazing thing is, though, that, I mean, this at least puts them in a position where I'm, I'm I'm not really worried about this season. You get a healthy Kawhi back. You get a healthy Paul George back. I mean, they have what I believe, if fully healthy, and I think you guys will agree, a championship team. Yeah. And I think, according to Vegas, and you know, we won't know this until the season's done. If this Clippers team comes back next year, they're going to be championship favorites. Well, let's hope so. UConn women's basketball, speaking of favorites, yeah. is headed to the program's 14th consecutive Final Four after beating number one seed North Carolina State in double overtime last night. They will face number one seed Stanford on Friday. Louisville beat Michigan on the other side of that bracket and will face South Carolina. Guys, thoughts on the women's Final Four and UConn success? I love the women's Final Four. I know that there's a lot of grief about the favorites or chalk normally winning out. That has been the case with UConn. That being said, it was a double overtime game. And so it's not like UConn won by 20 or 30. And that happens from, from time to time. Look at the men's Final Four. I mean, these are not all favorites at the beginning of the uh, tournament, but these are the Blue Bloods. You know, you're, you're talking about, you know, Duke and Kansas, North Carolina, Villanova. So for the women's bracket, you're getting some of the Blue Bloods, but I think overall it's been an, an exciting tournament. I don't think enough people talk about it. I think um, they do a, a decent job of making sure that the games aren't going on at the same time. So there's some college basketball. So on, on Monday night, I was watching these games and thoroughly entertained by, of course, the uh, the uh, UConn game. So I'm happy for UConn. Of course, I'm not going out on a limb by saying that they're my pick to win the whole thing. But I'm just, I love women's college basketball. So happy to see, uh, you know, that get some coverage and attention. Well, I'm, I'm glad that Stanford's getting a little bit yeah. of, of love, uh, to be honest with you, because they haven't gotten a lot of love uh, in the past because it has been all UConn. It's been UConn dominated. And by, by all means, them in South Carolina, they should be getting that love because they've earned that love. Um, we talk about chalk. We talk about people, you know, teams being blue buds and always being viable in the tournament. You know why? Because they're better than you. <laughs> they're better than you. Be coming better. From the, uh, coming for the Duke fan over here. <laughs> <laughs> but be better, guys. No, you know, yeah, you know yeah. why Belichick wins all those rings? 
he's better than you. Then you need to step up your game and be better. And that's what UConn does. 14 straight Final Fours. Yeah, it, that's it, incredible. It's a, it's a testament to uh, two things in the college game, as G. Hay knows. You know, if you have that that transcendent coach, if you have a Hall of Fame coach, it does wonders. Not only in coaching, yes, but in recruiting. There's a confidence that if I go to this guy's program, he's going to put me in the best possible situation to be a pro. So no shock, UConn in the Final Four, Gino. And then, of course, your main man, uh, Coach K, with Duke. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what is the similarity in terms of uh, dominance in other sports. Uh, the Patriots winning the AFC East, but that's not even close to Final Four. Yeah, 14. That's and 14. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that even compares to the dominance that we're seeing from UConn? Camp, you know, 14 is a heck of a thing. You know, I mean, the, 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 so the, the Dodgers haven't won the, the World Series a ton of time. Again, they won in 2020. <laughs> They won 10 straight or 11 straight div- divisions. So, yeah. but no, I, I don't think anything comes straight. 14 mm. final four is incredible. No, you can't. With UConn, no, you can't. Uh, they, they are hands down one of the best programs in history. I mean, maybe Wooden could be exactly. comparable. Exactly. But, uh, you know, UCLA and John Wooden's guys, but that that's pretty much it. Like, Gino kills them all. Yeah, he just really does. I, I it's, and I'm not the hugest Gino fan, but I do love UConn women. And shout out to Paigey Buckets, man. Get that ring, honey. Get that ring. You should have already been in the WNBA, but get that ring. All 32 te- NFL teams will hire a minority offensive assistant coach for the 2022 season as part of a series of policy enhancements announced Monday to address the league's ongoing diversity efforts. The coach can be a female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority, according to the policy. Is this the best way, guys, to get more diverse staffs? You know, like in the short term, it's the only way. Again, you would ideally like a team to do this on their own. Uh, But in lieu of that, in lieu of the embarrassing numbers that the league has in terms of minority and diverse assistance um you know it's something that has to be done because i I think at the at the very least what a lot of these coaches are saying give me a chance and if i can't do it if i can't prove myself it's hard though to get your foot in the door there's a lot of nepotism of course when you look around the league when you you're seeing certain coaches who's the son of a son of a well where that comes into play with the league with diverse diversity problems is that if there's no minority head coaches, if there's no minority like executives, it's hard to be the son of someone that you're familiar with. And so at, at some point, I would like us to not have this. I think it's a little embarrassing that we have it in 2022 only because you should hire the best. And I promise you there's more great assistants out there that are in that are not in the league so hopefully that that shines through here yeah so this is something i think has been told and been said throughout you know (laughs) the, the span of time until we get you know diversity in the ownership from from the very very top this is such a short term conclusion no, this yeah. is a short term uh, solve, solving to the problem it just this means nothing to me don't do this have more diverse uh, ownership and then they can hire whoever the heck they want from the from the top all the way to the bottom yeah. um, and I'm fine with that I'm fine with like you know I get it these guys want to like they want to hire people that look like them or they want to hire people that they can relate to or whatever the case may possibly be that person might be you know their son their daughter whatever um, I get that but you know who should be getting these jobs and I don't care if you're blue purple pink whatever it should be the person that's right for the job 
it shouldn't be the person that's di- diverse. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of backlash for this, but like, the, it shouldn't be the person that's diverse. It shouldn't be any of that. It should be the person that's right for the job, I, in my personal opinion. I agree with you, Jihei. I think there's a little trust that these people are, are, are going to hire the, the best. And, and so I think it's unfortunate that you have to force them to say, hey, by the way, this guy who is not getting a head coaching job or even like an assistant coaching job, give that person a chance. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Right. Well, the Buffalo Bills have reached an agreement with the state of New York and Erie Country. I'm sorry, Country County <laughs> on a 30 year lease for a new one point four billion dollar stadium in Orchard Park. The team announced this on Monday. It will be an open air stadium. Burr. Do you think <laughs> um, do you like that or should it be? a dome stadium guys i listen i i think it the open air portion is such a part of the bills the bills history is snowing and cold i mean for example does it make sense to have a roof in green bay wisconsin of course it does does it make sense to have a roof in chicago for soldier field of course it does that's not Chicago Bears football. That's not Green Bay Packers football. That's not Buffalo Bills football. So, yes, it's a $1.4 billion stadium. That's how much these stadiums cost these days. And, by the way, the fact that it doesn't have a roof is why it doesn't cost as much as it does in Vegas, which was over $2 billion. So far, my goodness, $5 billion. So, it's $1.4 billion. Um, and I believe it is part of the lifeblood, it is part of the fabric of the Buffalo Bills, much like the the Bears and the Packers. It's not going to be a dome stadium. And I, by the way, I wouldn't have a problem. Back in the day, you would see highlights of Fran Tarkenton with the Minnesota Vikings in the open air. I, I mean, that's a part of this, these teams. It's, it's a part of their history. I'm curious. Do you guys think if they were to pull Buffalo Bills fans, do you think it would be unanimous that they would say, like, we would want an open air, no dome? Because I do think it would be unanimous. I would say you you would say the majority would say yes. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the majority would say, yeah, we don't want a a, a dome. But I think that, obviously, you know, people like the comforts of home here and there. If you're bougie, you (laughs) don't see. But the Bills fans. No, but but Bills fans are not bougie. If you're you're a bougie Bills fan, with no (laughs) knock on that, if you can be in your swipe you could be in your suite with your wine you you, you could have that majority of those fans are going through tables <laughs> without their shirt on and, and I, in I negative love, degree weather <laughs> and i love the tradition and perhaps they'll still have to continue this of paying fans via cash or tickets to shovel off the snow during right before playoff games again it's part of the history of this team yeah i'm kind of coming around to this no dome thing it's <laughs> only specifically for certain teams yeah. right only for the frozen tundra in green bay only for buffalo bills fans only specifically because you guys are tough man like that is a tough and rough like area and for you to i guess be a little bit more comfortable it's just not i don't think it's their style so i I think that they're like and those are the games that you know everybody really truly loves right those are the games where people really truly remember those games like new york is where it would have made sense for the jets and the giants and why they would have been in the rotation for the super bowl and the final four new york would have definitely been in that rotation but it's like an open-air stadium so they're never gonna they they got one Super Bowl, they're never going to get it again, and they're not going to get the Final Four. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of sad. Um, well, guys, if you retire, 
and then unretire a month later, <laughs> like somebody out here just did, Mister Mister Tommy Licious Brady. Tommy Licious, yeah. Have you I never heard that? that? Yeah, Tommy Licious Brady. Um, should you give back the retirement gifts you got? This is a question because uh, Peyton Manning gave. Uh, Tom Brady, a very lovely letter saying uh, all these different accolades, and he also gave him a wonderful bottle of wine, Arash, that wow. you know would have been really, really nice to get. What do you think it was? If, if you had a guess, I mean, it's got to be like something. Like, what's the most expensive? Was it like Screaming Eagle or something? I've, I've, I've no idea. I don't think it. he got him a Screaming Eagle, but yeah. he might have gotten him. He might have gotten him something along those lines. He's not going to spend what about like Drew Bledsoe's wine. That that would have been a nice little kind of. Uh, <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I I think it's hilarious. I, I I'm hoping Peyton um, Peyton. Manning is joking because listen it's a bottle of wine it's a nice note you don't have to write the note again that's that's your retirement note keep it when you actually retire you can read it again I feel bad for the guy and I forgot how this worked out for him the guy who bought the football which was supposed to be Tom Brady's last touchdown football by the way if you're that guy like wait a year before you buy his quote-unquote like last football um don't feel bad for for paid Manning generally speaking though yeah, listen, if I retire and then I wait less than a month or one month, you shouldn't keep those retirement gifts. So you should give it back to Peyton or generally speaking in life. If you if you gave me a watch because I retired and I was like, I'm oh, just kidding, but I'm going <laughs> to keep this watch. I mean, I think that's poor form. Yeah, no, I I don't agree about the look. You, <laughs> look, you you of your own fruition gave this letter, right? You like you volunteered this and you were like, hey, like. I want to goodwill this and give you, a, you know, we're both retired boys now. Let's go play some golf, whatever. But to, like, go out and put him on blast like that, like, don't, don't do that, man. Like, you're from Louisiana. You're classier than that, dude. Um, I don't know. I, I personally wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have cared, especially how much you make. I, maybe this is just the... Uh, maybe it's just a, a, a thing, I guess, with manners or whatever, I guess. Maybe to just unretire so like that. So you saw the clip. Like, you yeah. think he was, like, legit? I, I can't think he was legit. It sounded <laughs> legit. I think that he was, like, trying to sound like he was joking, but yeah. he really wasn't joking. Does the amount of gifts change your guys'... Like, what if you have a thousand gifts? Are you going to give them all back? What if you only give a hundred <laughs> yeah. back? What right. about the yeah. other nine hundred? Right. Yeah. right. Are you going to hold on to the rest? No, I mean, to be honest with you, I, here's the thing. It's a gift. It's a gift. Yeah. It's a gift. It's a present. It's a gift. So just let me do let it like this. What if someone got someone a wedding gift and the oh. wedding was called off? This is a, that's different that's protocol. No, but here's the thing: the retirement was effectively called off. Like, I mean, he retired and like a month later, like, like that's not it. We're not even at the draft. We're yeah. not even at training camp. <laughs> yeah. He basically called off the wedding. Do you get the wedding present back? <laughs> problem with this with this whole entire thing too is that the retirement a retirement's different than a wedding i know I it's know. two totally separate things so like and there's also protocol for wedding gifts and returning wedding gifts versus okay. there's no protocol for retire giving a retirement gift away um i don't know i i personally it's a gift let them keep it who cares right. will smith apologized guys for hitting chris rock during the oscars via social media there's a lot of people who still think the incident was staged how do you feel about it two days later? I don't think it was staged, but I'll tell you, Chris Rock came out extremely well. He is currently on tour. He is in Boston right now, where he's performing, uh, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, throughout the week. And according to TickPick, more tickets were sold in the 12 hours following that smack than in the previous month combined. So all these shows he's going to have in Boston, New York, Vegas, whatever, they're all going to be sold out. The other... look. 
thing, the uh, tidbit of information, Bovada put out lines on the fight. I want to get your thoughts on that. If Will Smith and Chris Rock were to step into a ring, a boxing ring, Will Smith minus 220, Chris Rock at plus 155. Team Chris Rock. <laughs> Team Chris Rock. By the way, took that hit like a champ. Yeah. yeah. Did not really he blink. Didn't, really didn't, like, come after his face, like, touch his face. Didn't, I mean, he... he Took it like a champ. I think he was just more in shock than the latter. 100% was in shock. Yeah, but, but I, I don't think, I think I would have done the same thing. I would have been like, what just happened? What? <laughs> like, what, yeah. what, what are we What are we doing here? What just yeah. happened? Why yeah. did you just hit me? You know, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but Team Chris Rock all day, and I like those odds. So I would probably take them because of the odds, and I'm just, a, I, I'm even more of a Chris Rock fan than I already was. Yeah. After the apology by Will Smith last night, do people still think it's fake? Because it seemed like a sincere, legitimate I, apology. Yeah. I don't think it's fake, but I, I think that there's, listen, there's there's people who are conspiracy yeah. theories about things that are far greater than, yeah. than, 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 <laughs> than Will Smith. This is the Academy Awards. You could yeah. see it in slow yeah. motion, though. You could see the slap. It, it, like great form by the way <laughs> amazing form like just fluid like a golf swing did you like, see the close yeah. uh fist by chris rock after oh, he, when he wanted a yeah, yeah he had a close fist i didn't see that on the bottom in yeah. slow motion so after the hit happens chris rock you can see he has a close fist yeah. and he's like nope i'm not no, gonna do it that was smart you know yeah. because he did he realized the moment. I mean, you're you're, yeah. you're literally on stage at the Academy Awards. Like, what the heck are you gonna do? Are you gonna go Swing after back. Will Smith? Yeah, yeah. Are you, you gonna, gonna start? Go, like, yeah. he handled it extremely well. So, you know, kudos to Chris for that. Will apologize. I'm sure Chris is gonna accept it. Have his sold out tour across the country. I think they're both gonna be uh, just fine. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, big day for the Clippers tonight. Farbod is gonna come to uh, uh, talk a little bit about the Clippers. Who can they expect to come back? Paul George, for sure tonight. Who else could be back for this team? We'll talk to him about the Clippers and much more right here on the Mightier 1090 and the Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hey guys, Jihei from the Rosh Marikazi Show. Tons of people, by the way, take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I know I can use that. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one grand of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop in a cup of water every day that's it to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com com slash believe that's b-l-e-a-v again that's athleticgreens.com slash believe these statements don't have been evaluated by the food and administration drug administration these products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease athletic greens guys take ownership of your health this is the arash markazi show on the mightier 1090 espn radio still clown with the underground 
when we come around. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Okay, joining us now on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, my man Farbod, the man on the Clippers, the man who breaks all the uh, news, but uh, uh, f- this this Clippers team, I've never seen a more secretive bunch. Uh, Paul George uh, goes from not playing, perhaps for the rest of the season, to he will start tonight against the Utah Jazz. Farbod, what do you know, and are you uh, like as surprised as most of the Clipper fans out there? You know, it's funny, despite, despite breaking the news, I'm pretty surprised. Because, <laughs> you know, I've been asking around about it for like the last while. And it, it gets tougher and tougher to ask about because they, they've been on a five-game losing streak. So once, once that starts happening, people don't like getting bothered about what are certain guys coming back. Um, when I asked about it a while ago, what I had heard was, he, you know, he was going to do a two-week ramp-up or three-week ramp-up with no contact and they were going to evaluate him. And that if he were to come back, it would be in April. That's what I was told, is at least next month. And so... I, when I was discussing with some of the people within the organization, I was thinking like, so he's probably not going to come back then, right? Because that just sounds like you're bringing this guy back for three games in April and then no one thinks Kawhi's coming back to begin with. So is that really going to happen? And they were kind of pissed off last week. They're like, no, nah, I don't think so either. And so then all of a sudden today, you know, we learned he actually did multiple sessions with contact already. And he's already most likely going to play tomorrow, or that's the hope. If he doesn't play tomorrow, he's a, more than likely going to play at some point this week. Now, sorry, when I say tomorrow, I mean the Jazz tonight. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, so Kawhi was the one guy that I said he's going to go from being out for the season to you're going to find out he's going to start like the day of the game. With that being said, and knowing how well the Clippers keep secrets, do you have any sense whatsoever with Paul George effectively coming back tonight? Could Kawhi come back? What I heard about Kawhi about three weeks ago was that no one on no one on the team thought he was coming back at all. I think they all kind of gave up on it about three weeks ago. But he was never officially ruled out. So to this point, like the, the doctors, the medical staff, no one told the organization, hey, he's not coming back. At the start of the season, I mean, even before the start of the season, he was telling a lot of his teammates, March, that he'd come back in March. To the point where, you know, I've, I heard from three or four people on the team that they thought he would come back in March. And I think the way the Clippers season unfolded where all of a sudden, you know, everybody's hurt. All of a sudden, everybody's hurt. And it looks like, oh, PG's out for a extended period of time. These guys are going to be a playing team. It changes the trajectory on when Kawhi or if Kawhi is going to come. Because at the end of the day, they didn't want him to come back and rush things. So if they have a reason not to rush him, they're, they're not going to rush him. And, I, and the thing with him, too, is no, no one on the team truly knows anymore. Because about in February, even Batum started publicly saying March was when he was going to come back. Now, March is coming gone, so, and he's not back yet. So it's definitely going to be a situation, like you're saying, where we're going to go from no one expecting him to come back to suddenly he's coming back within a week. Hey, Farbad, thank you again for joining us. What is the latest that you've heard on Norman Powell? 
So I had heard Norman Powell three weeks ago was two to three weeks away. That's got half now, but he's getting shocked up and he seems to clearly be behind PG on his trajectory. So if I had to make a best guess, Norm is still at least another week away, another week or two away. Because he's already a little slower on the trajectory than anticipated, but I think everyone expects him to come back. In that case, what would what would you think the starting lineup would be with with Norm back and with PG back and everybody, not including Kawhi, everybody else healthy? I mean, it's, it, I think it becomes a. I guess you're going to shift Batum. It would be Reggie, Norm, uh, PG, Marcus, and Zoo, and then depending on if they want to go small, they'll start Batum with them. And Farmer, with that lineup, um, do you? I mean, do you think obviously th- there might be a push to go past that first round now, even with this five-game losing streak? Um, but what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that they might, you know, make that push um, towards getting past the first round? I mean, I, I definitely think they're they're going to make that push. The the weird situation the Clippers are in is, even though they have a five-game losing streak, everybody underneath them just keeps losing between the Pelicans <laughs> and the Lakers. And then everyone above them just keeps winning. So they're too far behind to get to the seventh seed and too far ahead for the ninth seed. Now there's still a realistic, I mean, there's still a possibility they could drop to the ninth seed. The Pelicans would have to go on a four game winning streak and the Clippers would have to lose four games straight and go on a nine game losing streak. Which, when you look at the Pelicans schedule, it's totally possible for them to go on a four game winning streak. But the Clippers realistically just need to win one or two games and they're completely set for the rest of the season at, and at the eighth seed. Then from then on, it, it, the destiny is not really in their hands. It's either they face the Nuggets or the Wolves, which are both pretty hard matchups. Tell me what it is about this team in terms of them being a tight-knit group. I mean, the feeling that, that I have about this team reminds me of that team that no one expected a ton from. They, they made the playoffs. They went up against the Warriors. They pushed the, the Warriors to a six games, had that historic comeback. These guys just like to play together, and they've had multiple games where they've come back from 20-plus points. Tell me or describe what it is about this group. Yeah, you know, I think it's a carryover from last season, actually, because last season they were all very kumbaya and loved each other a lot. And you could see that they loved each other way more last season than they did in that first Kawhi and PG season. And then it carried over because they kept the same group of guys, except Pat. And it's the, it's the same thing. And, and, and what's a little different, which is more similar to that uh, 2019 season, is... That 2019 season, they had a huge chip on their shoulders because it was Pat, Trez, and Lou who everybody kind of thought were washed at that time. Now you look at this team now, and they're incredibly short-handed and they still have comeback. And I think that comes from them having a chip on their shoulders as well. Because, you know, I've talked to Terrence Mann, and he, he talks about how, like, they should have more respect. Like, you should be aware of who they are in terms of being able to have comeback. The comebacks are getting a little bit tougher now that they lost Bledsoe and uh, Justice Winslow and the guys who they traded for were injured in terms of Norman and Robert Covington. So it's been a little harder to have the comeback now as opposed to the beginning of the season, but you can still clearly tell it's a combination of a chip on your shoulder and, and liking each other and not pointing fingers. Because the entire time I've covered them, the last two years, 
I almost never heard any point where they would point fingers at each other. Which is kind of the opposite of the Blake Griffin CP3 era and also the first year with uh, Kawhi and PG. I think the general consensus amongst us three in this room is that the Clippers fully healthy are a title contender. And I don't think that's, you know, a hot take. Not to get too far ahead, but this offseason, assuming everybody's back and fully healthy into next season, do you expect any major moves or do you expect more of like a relatively quiet offseason for the Clippers? You know, it's tough because last offseason, I know the mindset of the organization was to make marginal moves around Kawhi and PG. So they didn't want to make any, you know, home run moves. And I thought maybe what they were going to do was build up some of the younger guys like Keon Johnson, Terrence, and um, Jason Preston to try and trade for like a superstar this offseason, have a, you know, a big three. Then all of a sudden Norman Powell became available, which kind of changed the trajectory of everything that I thought in my mind. So it's a bit tough to say. I mean, realistically, could they package Marcus and Luke Kennard and maybe Terrence for another piece? They could. But I know, I know last season, going into the summer, the Clippers, like, legitimately felt if Kawhi never got hurt, they were going to the finals. They, yeah. they were very confident about that. So I don't know how much that thought has changed going into this offseason, because why would it? You know what I mean? They're the same team. Nobody in the West got better except for maybe Memphis and Phoenix. Everybody else has just been kind of the same or worse. Can you uh, describe the job Ty Lue has done uh, again? I, I think, you know, when he came to the Clippers and he worked under Doc, there was this feeling of, yes, he's been a head coach, but listen, he, he coached LeBron James. And again, uh, you know, this has been talked about a ton. The Lakers could have had him. They wanted him. They they lowballed him, said, we're going to pick your your coaches. And he's like, dude, like I've won a championship. He has done such an amazing job, not only this season, but when you go to last season, down 2-0, losing those first two home games, coming back in that series. And the job he did when Kawhi went down, and and you, you, you've had this feeling of here we go again with the Clippers and they came back and not only won that series blew out the Jazz at home to go to the first ever conference finals in for franchise history describe the job that Ty Lu has done with this team you know, so before I talk about that I was I was so confident that they were not going to win that mad series once they went down 2-0 at home, I told my friend that house would get a girlfriend as a bet if they absolutely <laughs> won that series. I, I couldn't believe it that they won that series. I still can't believe it. And, um, you know, the job Pi deserves so much credit because for two reasons, maybe three reasons. Whenever you talk to the guys and they're behind in the game and they're down, they talk about how, like, Ty always keeps them composed. Like, he'll literally, he'll literally just tell a joke halftime to lighten the mood when they're down 30 or 20 to kind of, you know, make the tension a little bit easier. He does everything like you wouldn't expect a coach would do just to get everybody in a better frame of mind. And he never loses his cool ever. Honestly, it's kind of the opposite of Doc in that regard because Doc will lose his cool all the time and get a lot of technical. And they talk about how I never loses his cool is a calming presence for them and it's why they don't panic when they go down big you know big leads 
But not only that, but he got everybody to buy in to a degree that's very hard to buy in. I mean, you look at last year's playoff, Patrick Beverly went from starting to just not playing in a whole series against the map. Same as Zubac. I mean, that takes a ridiculous amount of buying in to get a guy to just say, hey, you're not playing this series. And so, I mean, he deserves so much credit just for the fact that the camaraderie he helps create within his guys. Very, very little teams that have that. It's like maybe Phoenix and Memphis in the West, and that's it. And you you touched on this, but the culture of being able to keep a secret in 2022 with social media, with, you know, quote unquote handlers and agents and publicists, I mean, things leak out. And so when you have something happening with Kawhi and Paul George, I mean, like like going back to July of two years ago, when the Clippers make that deal for Paul George, I mean, it came out of nowhere. We knew that they they wanted Kawhi, but then wait, we, we just found out that they, they got Paul George, too. And I think Kawhi appreciated that. Um, and again, it's hard to do. You have to literally be on the same page. Coaching staff, front office, that was not the case, of course, when I was covering the team back in the day with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, that guy, that group perhaps maybe liked each other like that first year and then it went south. Where does that come from? Does that come from the top? Does that come from Kawhi? Again, I, I think Kawhi really appreciated that nothing leaked from from when he talked to Doc or or the Clippers. He liked that. I think it comes from a combination of things. I think it comes from Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi in, in itself is his own beast. I mean, I know like when he was hurt in uh, the playoffs last year. I would ask guys, like, do you know if he's coming back or do you know what's wrong with him? Does he have a tear? And they're, they're coming like, we don't have a clue. Then all of a sudden I see guys on TV saying that, oh, Kawhi has, needs surgery, so on and so forth, and nothing's been announced yet for another month. So at that point, people are just firing shots at the dark because even the players didn't know at that time. Um, and then in terms of the other parts of their tightness, I think it's, a lot of it has to do with their front office because the thing about the Clippers is, I mean, you look at the way things are systemized. Like, if you see something from Chris Haynes, that's coming from Kawhi's camp. If you see something that's just overall Clippers related to, you know, to woes, you can assume that's coming from the front office or somebody in the organization. And then if you see the rest of the stuff, it just it's just kind of occasional leaks that come here and there. But I think there's just a common understanding amongst everybody that they just want to win. So, for instance, you know, if... If somebody like Kawhi gets hurt, you know, in the playoffs, they want to minimize as much as they can because all they want to do is make sure that they win. And I think that's what everybody, the common goal among all of them is. So whatever it takes to win, they're willing to do it. Whether it's don't, don't start a game, don't leak anything out, don't do this. They're all, they've all bought in from top to bottom. I mean, even when you look at, um, and I think the thing that the Clippers do really well especially with this year, is everybody they have is like a professional. Everybody's a really nice guy and a professional. Because when you look at Serge Ibaka, I mean, Serge could have had every reason in the world to leak out a bunch of stuff about how mad he was. I mean, the guy, the guy came back from nerve injury to lose his spot to Isaiah Hartenstein. Like, that's, that's tough. To come back from injury and being asked to come back from injury to lose your spot to a guy who they picked up in summer league. So he could have leaked out a bunch of stuff about how unhappy he was. 
and nothing came out because the, the quality of guys that they've been getting, I think is much different. And I think that was a point of emphasis after that first year with Kawhi and PG when they had Trez and Lou and everybody, they saw the leaks come out that year. You know, as soon as they, as soon as the season ended. So I think they just want to make sure that doesn't happen again, and that's why they got a bunch of quality guys that don't say anything. With the stars out, it seems like on a nightly basis, it changes who leads the Clippers, right? And who would you say, if you had to say somebody, Farbad, who would you say is the emotional leader of the of the bunch without Paul George and Kawhi being present? I think it varies, but it's like it goes from Marcus to Reggie to Zoo. Uh, I think those are the three. But the team is very aware. Like, everybody on the team is very aware with how short-handed they are. If Marcus and Reggie don't do well, they're probably going to lose that game. It's something that, like, Ty Lewis said numerous times. So, with that in mind, that's why those two kind of have to be the leader because they have to do well. And Reggie's always good vibes all the time. Yeah, I remember when, it's funny when, when they lost to the Mavs by 50 last year in the second game of the season, Reggie's wearing a shirt that says, like, no stress, and he's telling us how everything's going to be fine, don't worry about it. So, like, that speaks to, like, how he is, you know, kind of as a leader. Uh, he's always just kind of being a jovial mood and trying to let everybody know that it's just basketball, we, we'll get him next time. Um, on a nightly basis, like I said, I, I could see it being you because you're very communicative and Reggie and Marcus. And then they all just listen to Ty, to be honest. They, they'll listen to Ty whenever they can. Yeah, I mean, this team has been so much fun to watch. I've been talking about it on the show for a while, that if they can stay healthy, and again, they have not been healthy all year, but that, that, that confidence really began to grow a year ago when I saw Paul George come into his own and Reggie Jackson and the fact that they came back and they beat the Jazz the way they did and really should have beaten the uh, the uh, Suns too. Uh, last two minutes with you, Farwell, because you're the only guy that I know who is around the Academy Awards and the Elton John after party and all the hot parties. What was the uh, sense or the feeling after the uh, Will Smith slap Chris Rock? at the Academy Awards. You know, it's funny. I bumped into the class at Bel Air like just two hours after that happened. And I asked them what they thought and they were all just like pleading the fist and they are like, no comment. <laughs> uh, my, my sister was there too and she said everybody was just very confused at first. Yeah. I think there's a lot of the same thing as that everybody else you know, walking out with. Everybody was confused at first and then it was like, oh, is that fake? And then it was like, oh, I think this is real because it's getting all awkward and weird. Um, you know, I've actually had players text me today asking if they, if I thought it was real or fake. So I think that's still like the consensus around a lot of people. I think people in the entertainment industry all, all know it was real and, you know, it's just kind of a gnarly situation for lack of a better word. But everybody else around outside of the industry is still questioning whether it's real or fake. Yeah, for, uh, for about just another question about that. Um, wh what was, <laughs> do you feel like um, Will Smith uh, yesterday came out, uh, I believe last night came out on Twitter or on social media and said, hey, um, he basically apologized publicly to the Academy um, via social media and apologized to Chris Rock as well, apologized for his behavior, etc. Do we think that this possibly is a real thing or is this, you know, maybe he's just trying to save face? Um, what, what do we think about that right before we let you go? 
think it was every real thing. I mean, he was dancing again getting jiggy with it at the Vanity Fair party with an Oscar in his hand. So, like, I don't think it was a real thing, but I think he's very aware that it's... I mean, it, like, I understand what, you know, what he did, but it, at the end of the day, no one's going to remember that he won an Oscar that night, and yeah. he's been trying to win an Oscar for 30 years. Yeah. yeah. And no one's going to care. No, and so, like, I think he's aware it's a bad look for everybody who worked on that movie. So that's more so what it's about. But yeah, I mean, if you're really sad about something, you're not gonna you're not gonna dance to getting jiggy with it. Exactly. Like, right. in your hand. That's a great point. <laughs> all right, that's and all. Let yourself get filmed. By <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fireball, you're the best. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe, and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.